My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to my Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is Tom DeSot, CIO of Digital Defense. Tom and I discuss cybersecurity needs for companies large and small, including vulnerability management as a service, qualifications around connected devices such as AV or IoT equipment, the importance of employee training when it comes to cybersecurity, and much more. Anyone interested in learning more about cybersecurity considerations and best practices should give this interview a listen. Enjoy. Before we get to the interview, a quick reminder that My Tech Decisions podcast is now available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe in order to instantly download the latest interviews with expert AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, technology manufacturers, and commercial technology decision makers like yourself. If you like what you hear, you can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decisions podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe. Now let's get to the interview. Welcome to My Tech Decisions podcast. Today's guest is Tom DeSot, CIO of Digital Defense. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate having you on. We've talked a lot about cybersecurity this year, and that's not slowing down, obviously, because it's such, uh, such an important aspect of every company's um, technology portfolio. So uh, digital defense, I'll let Tom go a little bit into it, but one of their products, and I think their main product is a uh, vulnerability management as a service product. Uh, Tom, could you let us know what uh, vulnerability management as a service is? Yes, yeah, sure. So basically what it is, is we have our own proprietary technology that we utilize to conduct vulnerability assessments. But many times, organizations will come to us and they'll uh, be shorthanded or the person that is in charge of IT security may be in a marketing role and it's not their real focus or anything like that and they need assistance. And using it as a service, they are assigned a personal security analyst who helps them set up uh, a program basically so that they can remediate the vulnerabilities that are discovered during the vulnerability scans. We also work with setting up a relationship between IT and IT security within larger organizations and establishing service level agreements within that organization so that if someone uh, runs a vulnerability scan and discovers a high level vulnerability, everybody understands uh, what it means and understands what uh, time frame they're looking at in order to get it patched. Because, you know, if it's a high-level vulnerability, that's not obviously going to have the same timeline associated with it as a low-level vulnerability. And so basically what we do is we, we almost become a full-time equivalent for that organization and help them manage their vulnerabilities and remediate them out of the, the environment. Okay, and uh, you mentioned that uh, for larger enterprises, you'll you'll connect those uh, disparate departments, and I'm I'm wondering about the differences between a small business 
uh, an SMB and an enterprise level business. What are the different qualifications when it comes to security and, and working with a company such as yours between a small business and, and a much larger, maybe national uh, entity? Yeah, I mean, we have clients that range in size from very small to very large uh, fortune organizations. And the IT security role and the IT roles uh, vary wildly between those. Uh, we have some clients that are so small that the CEO of the organization is the IT manager, is the InfoSec manager, and has to take care of it basically soup to nuts. Now, when you work into the larger enterprises, you obviously find that they have their own IT teams and they have their own IT security teams. But what we find many times is that there is a disconnect between the two teams uh, that we help bridge that gap uh, so that they can basically move forward and everyone remains on the same playbook, so to speak, when it comes to remediate, remediating our vulnerabilities uh, within their organization. So how does the relationship work uh, once the agreement is made? First off, is, is it like a, a monthly uh, fee? Is it an annual fee? Uh, what's the contract term like? And then going off of that, what does the organization, big or small, uh, what do they get from you guys on a sort of an ongoing basis? Yes, uh, it's usually a subscription model. So it's it's usually month to month or they may pay all of it up front. It's it's really up to the organization as to how they want to, to pay for the services. Once they get that, they're assigned a client advocate. That client advocate works with the organization uh, using what we call design, build, and operate to basically construct uh, the interface for them. They don't have to log in and do anything. We put in all of the IP addresses. Uh, we put in all of the parameters, like if they have blackout windows or anything like that when they don't want scans to run or anything of that nature. And then moving forward, that's when the personal security analyst is introduced. And at that point, they start working out the SLA between the two organizations, IT and IT security, so that, as I said earlier, so that everybody basically remains on the same playbook and the issues are remediated in a timely fashion so that they can reduce their overall risk posture. You know, I noticed on your site that you guys uh, were, were formed in 1999, and obviously a ton has changed uh, with technology in, in the past 20 years. Uh, but really in the past five to 10 years, we've seen a lot more uh, AV equipment and Internet of Things equipment go onto the network. How have you guys kind of tackled those challenges of more devices connected to the network? And, and what's the benefit of working with a company like yours when it comes to connected devices on top of, you know, the traditional uh, IT equipment that, that uh, companies are used to? Right. We, I mean, we have the capability of scaling up or down when it comes to what the client has on their network. Uh, we even go so far as uh, many organizations, especially within the, the large enterprises, will have networks that they tell us, well, there should be nothing on this network. It's a, it's a dark network. Nothing should be on it. And we will go so far as to even scan those as well uh, to ensure that no one is setting up rogue access points or setting up any type of equipment that shouldn't necessarily be there. What, what will... 
it, let's say that uh, my company has already hired you guys. Uh, we're, we're on an ongoing contract. And now I'm reaching out to, let's say, an AV integrator uh, to outfit one of my meeting rooms with uh, some sort of display that's going to be connected to the network. Where, where do you guys come in in that process? Should I invite you to have a seat at the table as soon as I have that initial conversation? Or is that get all of the technology implemented and then reach out to you guys and, and let you know kind of what's been done? Well, we see it happen both ways. We will have clients that will reach out to us on various products, whether it's a firewall, antivirus, or some other type of technology, wanting to know what we think about it and as to whether they should implement it. And if they do implement it, what are the things that they should be looking for? So we have to stay very closely abreast to what's going on in the industry to ensure that we're giving the, the right guidance to the organization. Now, by the same token, we do have clients that come to us after the fact uh, and say, hey, we've implemented this X, Y, or Z product. Uh, what can you tell us about the security of it? Uh, and if they've got an ongoing contract, we may run a vulnerability scan. Uh, they may hire us to do some ethical hacking to see if we can do anything to the to the device or devices. Uh, it really just depends. So, uh, I mean, we see it both ways. Uh, okay, uh, moving on uh, kind of outside of the technology side of things, I want to talk about employee training because for cybersecurity, obviously you can have as much technology on the network as possible, but a layman employee that you know clicks the wrong link or downloads the wrong file can really put um, you know the network at risk. So how do you guys kind of tackle that unknown factor and the human factor when working with uh, organizations or when it's working with a company like yours, is the technology enough? Uh, we we also offer a product which we call SecureEd uh, that uh, allows organizations uh, either through their own learning management system or through a hosted option that we provide to train their employees on a wide array of security topics, whether it's password construction or detecting social engineering or something of that nature uh, so that their employees stay on top. Now we also offer on top of that because what will happen many times is that the organizations will go through the training process uh, either the automated fashion or some clients actually ask us to come out and train uh, their staff uh, in person, which we'll do. Uh, and but many times what we find is that they will they will bring us on board to also do social engineering attacks, uh, either in a remote fashion uh, where we're doing it by email or phone call, or in an on-site fashion where we're looking to gain physical access to their organization. And that really goes to show as to whether the the organization has a training program, uh, whether it's through us or anyone else, uh, that's really meeting their needs from a business aspect. Because, I mean, we all know that the security is basically just the cost of doing business now. It's no longer an option like it used to be in the early days. You know, do I put this firewall in or do I not put this firewall in? You know, everybody's got firewalls now. It depends upon how your network is segmented and everything else. Uh, so we provide them those additional services at cost uh, so that they can test their training to determine if their employees are actually retaining the information that they're finding within the uh, security training program. Are, are there specific aspects that, you know, like a, a sort of a good, better, best option where there are certain things that 
employees just absolutely need to be trained on when it comes to cybersecurity versus maybe some training that's a, a little bit less uh, likely to occur? Uh, probably the biggest one, uh, and this is pretty much the bane of all organizations, uh, is password construction and password protection. Um, we see so many times that employees are willing to give out their passwords. Uh, if we call in and we're posing as someone from their IT staff, uh, they may be willing to give us their passwords. They may be willing to give us uh, other sensitive information about the organization that normally would not be released uh, without an NDA or something of that nature being in place between us and the organization. Uh, we also, as I mentioned, will do a test where we actually go on site to see where we can gain access uh, in a physical sense. And there, it's it's the employees being aware of their surroundings and who should and shouldn't be there. Uh, you know, do, does the badge that we're using look different than what they're what they're used to seeing? Uh, is the person new and they've never seen them before? Uh, is what they're asking kind of out of band of what would they've normally experienced with their own IT staff? And so we we approach it. it in a variety of fashions to help them because there's really no way around it. The, the systems that the employees are going to gain access to have passwords. They have to manage those passwords. And that's why you see a lot of organizations moving into single sign-on applications so that they've basically got one master password and then they can gain access to other corporate resources through that. Sure. And, uh, you know, something that always comes up, especially with smaller, uh, well, really exclusively with smaller businesses is they'll think, oh, I don't need to bolster my cybersecurity. I'm too small for anyone to pay any attention to me in the first place. Can you explain why that's flawed thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's flawed thinking because they're actually the ones that they're going to target first. Uh, they They know, the attackers know, uh, that many times these smaller organizations do not have robust information security programs. Now, in many of the regulated industries, such as in banking and things of that nature, uh, where they are by regulation supposed to have an information security program, uh, it gets a little bit more difficult for the attackers. Um, but in other organizations that may operate in an unregulated industry or in an industry where the regulations don't necessarily pertain to information security or breach notification or anything of that nature, um, they still need to be concerned about that. And you know, something else that I hear a lot is that there is a, really a lack of talent and, and not, I don't mean that in the sense that there aren't talented people in the cybersecurity industry. I mean that in the sense that there are not enough talented people in the security industry. So can you explain uh, again why a company like yours kind of circumvents that problem of needing to attract and, and retain talent on your own staff? Right. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we when we go in, especially with our managed service, uh, we're acting as a full-time equivalent, basically a full-time employee for them to utilize so that they don't have to go out and try to hire someone and go through the, the issue of, well, is this person really knowledgeable enough? When they sign on as with a managed service uh, with us, 
they receive not only the benefit of having that personal security analyst that's associated with their account, but there's also a team of personal security analysts. So if it's something that uh, the one that has been assigned to their account has never seen before or is, is somewhat new to, uh, they've got a whole team that they can turn to, uh, which many times you're, you're not going to find, uh, that gives them access to basically a knowledge base uh, of a variety of people that have worked in the industry for a number of years, have various certifications, and basically allows them to provide the, the business uh, the information that they need uh, so that they can basically have an ongoing operation and feel secure in doing so. All right. And Tom, finally, if anyone in our audience wants to learn more about digital defense or uh, get in touch with you, how's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is through our website, www.digitaldefense.com. There is a chat function there. If if they would like to reach out and have someone contact them about services, uh, that's fast. Also, uh, through phone, through social media, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Uh, there's a variety of ways to reach out to us, but normally the website is the fastest way. Great. Tom DeSaut, CIO of Digital Defense, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions podcast. Here at Tech Decisions, it's our mission to help you do your job better. If you'd like to learn more, head over to www.mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. I'm your host, Jonathan Blackwood, Managing Editor of Tech Decisions, and you can find me at Blackwood Tweets. Thank you again for listening, and good luck with all of your installations and implementations.